You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Praising Forward, Part 3. Enjoy. How are you all doing this morning? God, you're so good. You're so good. I want to ask you to take your attention completely off of any situations or circumstances that you're in the middle of. Can you do that just for a little while? Actually, I'm going to ask you to do that maybe for a long while, today and tomorrow and for the rest of the week. How about for two weeks? Can you give your attention more to Jesus, more to how much he loves you, more to what he has accomplished already for you than to what you're going through? Things change when we take our attention off of the world around us and put them on him. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about praising our way forward into the fullness of his destiny for our lives. And I've said something for the last two Sundays. I've been encouraging people to to expect God God has not done blessing you, is what I've been saying, in 2018. And, and, And could it be that the greatest blessings of 2018 are yet to be enjoyed? And we have had testimonies in the last two weeks of things happening in people's lives that have changed their 2019 for the better. Isn't that awesome? Things that are gonna unfold for years to come. God's not done blessing you in 2018. Yeah, I know 2019's coming, but we've got some time left. This is only the 9th of December. It only takes God a moment to, to set you free from something you may have been dealing with for 30 years. And that moment is really just a grabbing hold of who he really is. It's a moment where you realize this is who he is, this is what he's done for me, and you begin to thank him and worship him for it. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. So we're praising him forward And remember, we're not trying to get anything from God. We're not trying to pray loud enough or pray long enough or praise him long enough so that we can get something. He's already given it to us. In fact, in 2 Peter 1, it says he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's already done it. Why do we praise him? It transforms us. It it teaches our, our soul where life is really at. Because if you don't control your soul, your soul's going to get caught up in what's going on in the world around you. And your soul's going to end up controlling you. Your emotions are going to end up controlling you. Put 2 Corinthians 15, 57 up there. God has given you control over your mind and control over your emotions. You might say, well, not really because I have this condition. Listen, I'm telling you, By the Spirit of the Lord, God has given you control over your mind and over your emotions. Okay? You have it. And it's amazing how Satan tries to talk people into accepting things, limiting things, things that will never let you be the person you are meant to be. We're not going to listen to him, are we? You have full control of your mind and full control 
of your emotions. You walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Yes, you do. Start to say that regularly. I walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. I was doing that these last couple of days because a lot, lot going on. A lot needs to get done in the next three weeks. And I was feeling really pressure. I was giving in to some pressure and, and running around and I ended up forgetting something and had to retrace my steps. And I had to stop myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. I'm trusting him. Doesn't matter how many things need to get done. I'm not in a hurry. He's going to enable me to get them done. He's empowering me to do what I need to do. I'm not going to race from here to there and back over to there and, and, and try and get this done in my own strength. I'm not in a hurry. Those who trust in him do not make haste, are not in a hurry. You have to tell yourself how to feel. You have to talk to yourself. Tell yourself how you feel. Don't let your feelings tell you how you feel. You tell them how happy you are. You tell them that. You have to. You have to tell your soul how blessed it is. You have to. You have, you, and you need to do this daily throughout the day, especially if you start feeling pressure. Hurry is not for us. Pressure is not for us. Why? Because God is our strength. He's already gone before us. I don't think there's any few people who could say they're not busy, right? Few of us who could say we, we don't have a lot of things to do. But we are not going to try and get them done with our own wisdom and our own strength. I love that. In the midst of a number of things, a long list, I just lean back on him. I say, okay, what's next, Lord? And you know what I find out? Things get checked off my list. And I didn't even have to do what I thought I needed to do. It's like he leads me over here and as I'm doing this other thing, this other thing gets done. Huh? So-and-so calls and said, oh, I just uh, did. Oh, okay, thank you. Check. Lean on him. That's what we're doing. That's what praise is. It's leaning on him. That's what God's people did in, in 2 Chronicles. In chapter 20, they went forward into the midst of their challenge singing, leaning on him. Praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. So what did I say? 1 Corinthians 15, 57. This is what we're doing. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we tell ourselves how blessed we are, how joyful we are, how strong we are, and right in the midst of depressing thoughts, discouraging thoughts, pressure, anxiety, we open up our mouths and say, thank you, Lord. Your love is shed abroad in my heart. You're the strength of my life. You're leading and guiding me. You're accomplishing the things that concern me. You're working all things out for my good. I'm strong in you and I give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for never failing me. Thank you for never going to sleep. 
Thank you for, for watching over me and being my shield, for being my strength, for causing me to prosper. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 14, same thing. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. How many times? Always. That's supernatural. If we let our, our soul dictate to us what's going to happen, you can take the always right out of that. There's no always with your soul. If your soul is leading you, you will not always triumph. If you're letting your feelings tell you what's going to happen and who you are, you will, you will seldom triumph. But if you switch to your spirit, you'll always triumph. And I've heard many people over the years say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. And I know that they were trying it with their soul. They're living in their soul. And they get excited and they try the word of God for a while and they don't have any results because there's a war going on. Why does the Bible talk like this, triumph? Who uses that word anymore? The Patriots triumphed over Miami today. Victory. Well, victory, I guess we kind of use that word sometimes. But why does the Bible talk like this? You'll find a lot of this in the Bible. Triumph, victory, winning, being raised up, moving forward. Why is this talk like that? Why does God talk like this in the Bible? What does that mean? Because we are in a war. Did you know that? And not talking about anything going on in the natural realm, although that is a representation of what's going on in the spirit realm, but there literally is a war taking place in your life right now. You can deny it, you can try and ignore it, but it's happening. It's happening in this spirit realm. Who are you in a war with? Yeah, Satan, flesh, well, Satan, really. Satan is your adversary. He's against you. We're not in a war with God, he's for us, right? You don't need to fight with someone who's for you. You don't need to plead and beg with someone who's for you. If you're pleading and begging God to do something, you're in your soul. You need to change the way you think. Your spirit knows how much he loves you. Your spirit knows how good he is. Okay, so what is Satan? And I, and I know that people will say, well, that's, a, that's really a make-believe figure. He doesn't really exist, and, and that's something that Christians use to blame their problems on. And, and I understand how you could say that, but I also understand it's, it's, it's true. <laughs> that Satan is an actual being. He was an archangel, used to be called Lucifer, but he rebelled against God and he took some of the angels with him and they were cast down to earth. And his name was changed to adversary. That's what Satan means, the one who's against you. He's your enemy and he's real. That's not to frighten us. It's just to make us aware. You can't, you can't go through life on cruise control. Your heart has to be engaged with Christ. You have to be alert and vigilant, awake, stay woke, right? Yes. 
You've got to be. How do we stay woke? We keep our minds on God's love for us. We tell our mind what to think about. We tell our mind that Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. Body, you'll never be sick again. Knees, you're strong and you're healthy. Heart, you're strong and healthy. You're at peace and rest. Every chamber, every muscle. Cardiovascular system, you're clean. Your arteries are clean. Your veins are clean. Every blood vessel is clean and the blood is flowing freely. What's Satan's objective? What's, what's he so mad about? What are, the, what are these spirits of darkness so mad at what you do? <laughs> Why are they mad at you? Because God loves you. You were made in his image. What is their objective in your life? What are they trying to accomplish? Put that John 10, 10 up there. There's a war going on and this is what your enemy is trying to accomplish. He's trying to steal from you. He's trying to kill you if you'll let him. And he's trying to destroy you. It's good to know your enemy's objective. He's trying to steal from you. He's trying to kill you. And he's trying to destroy you. Now, when you start to realize this, you'll live differently. If you don't believe this, you're not going to change. If I know that someone is coming against me to steal, kill, or destroy me, I'm going to change the way I walk and the way I live. And if you've ever traveled and you're in a place that you're unfamiliar with, you know to watch your wallet. And I remember walking into Jerusalem, my first time in Israel, and coming to the city gates, and this gang of kids came running up. And they had this thing down. They were probably 8 to 14 years old, and there's maybe six or eight of them. And the two in the front were really cute. And they come up and say, hi, welcome to Jerusalem. And while they did that, they formed a circle around you. And the ones in the back started feeling your pockets. <laughs> right? So what you got, if you know, if I thought, oh, this is wonderful. Hi, kids. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> right? I wouldn't have my ID anymore, my driver's license. Credit cards would be all gone, right? You got to be aware. Satan comes as an angel of light. He comes, hi, how are you? You're so pretty. Hey, come on, listen to this. You should, should come on over. Why don't you just come over? Come on, we're all going to be here. Just hang out. It's going to be fun. You know? He's got inviting things for you. But you've got to be aware, is this something the Father wants me to do? Is this an atmosphere I want to put myself in that's going to draw me closer to the Father? So that's what these spirits are after. They're trying to pick your pocket. They're trying to take provision from you. They're trying to take your peace from you. They're trying to take your health from you. I've never seen it like I've seen today, the, the, the advertisements that promote sickness. It wasn't like that when I was younger. Usually it was like corn pops and Rice Krispies and Keeblers. And these are the things that were on, on the TV. And now it's, it's all about how sick you should be and what you should take and ask your doctor if this is right for you. They don't even really tell you what it's for. Just ask your doctor if it's right for you. Do you just listen to those 
and start to wonder, oh, you know what? I do have some of those symptoms. I better look into that. Let me just go online and research it a little bit. What's the name of that drug? Oh, okay. This drug is for this and covers these things. Yeah, I have been feeling like that. What does this mean? Let me Google that a little more. All of a sudden, 30 minutes go by and you've got it. You're convinced. You know, man, man, man doesn't have answers for you. Man's answer for disease is to raise awareness of it. And what happens? More of it comes. We're not interested in raising awareness of sickness. We're interested in walking, raising awareness of Christ's provision for health. See, that's a way of stealing, trying to get your attention on something. I'm gonna, you need to raise your, you need to accept this condition. And I don't know if you're familiar, uh, I was listening to a podcast from Andrew Womack's ministry, excellent. Man, you need to be listening to good podcasts. Go to the Karis podcasts, and he was talking of a testimony of a, a family in the UK, and their two sons were born with autism. And they just couldn't do anything with them, screaming, uh, just out of control sons. And they started hearing messages from Andrew Womack's ministry and changed their lives, and both sons received healing for autism. But there is a time during that process where the medical professionals, and I'm not trying to find fault, they, they just, they have a very limited understanding of things. And they basically told them, you've got to accept this condition. This is who your sons are. And just accept it and learn to live with it. No! Never! Never! Jesus has provided wholeness for my children for the rest of their lives. That's praise. Never will we accept sickness. Never will we bow to a condition because of what Christ has done. Doesn't matter what we're born with, we've been born again. Have you been born again? Has your spirit been made new? If not, get born again now. How do you get born again, Facebook? Put your faith in Christ. Open your mouth, say, Jesus, be Lord of my life and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead for you and let the Holy Spirit transform you. So spirits of darkness try and get you to believe things that aren't true about yourself and about God. But you know, lies always have some truth in it, usually, or they wouldn't be tempting to us, right? Satan's uh, crafty in that way. He always puts a little bit of truth or sometimes a good bit of truth in with his lie to try and lure you in. And we saw that in the ministry of Christ when Satan tempted Christ in Matthew chapter four, right? He came to him and said, if you are the son of God. Was Jesus the son of God? Yeah. Why would Satan do that? He's trying to steal his identity. Satan's trying to steal your identity. He doesn't want you to know who God made you to be. He doesn't want you to walk in the person that you are, the person that God made you to be. So he'll come to you with a lot of ifs. If God loves you, why did this happen? If you're forgiven, then why, why do you feel this way? If you're healed, why do you have that symptom in your body? There's a lot of ifs, and he can go on all day if you let him. 
Stop the ifs with Jesus. Declare who Jesus is and what he's done for you. See, if Satan can get you to believe something that's untrue long enough, you'll begin to accept it and live with it and act on it. And it'll become a part of your life. I want to say that again. I want you to just let the Holy Spirit minister to you. These spirits of darkness, this is the war we're in. They're coming to you with different ideas about yourself and about God that really aren't true. There might be some truth in them, but there's an underlying deception there to try and twist you and twist God. And their goal is for you to get to listen to what they're saying long enough so that you begin to accept them and act on what they're saying. That's what they want. I'll give you an excellent example. Somewhere along the line, there is an idea introduced to man by spirits of darkness that God did not create you. It's an idea that has zero scientific evidence. And it it evolved into a theory called the theory of evolution. You cannot scientifically validate the theory of evolution. You can't. There is zero evidence for it. It is one of the most preposterous ideas you could ever imagine. And millions of people have bought it. It is not good science. It's really not science at all. You say, how do I know? Just hold your hand in front of your face. Just look at your hand. Look at your body. I'm just looking at my shoelaces. And I look at my boots, I thought, it's so obvious that someone made these boots. Isn't it? You could get all the leather and shoestring you want and roll them down a hill and just leave them there for a million years. They'll never turn into this. They won't. If I tried to tell you they would, would you believe me? Here, just get some leather, get some black dye, get some shoelaces and rivets and and, and the, whatever you need to make this on, just put that on a hill somewhere. We're going to come back in a million years. And if a million, we come back in a million years, they're not done yet. We'll come back in another 10 million and those will be boots. It doesn't work that way. The only way that leather can become boots if a designer creates it. If a designer takes the leather and all the materials and cuts them and puts them together and designs them and makes a boot. A child knows that. Come on, we're just being real. I'm not interested in trying to put anyone down. I am interested in putting dark ideas down. So what ends up happening, you've got young people in schools learning, being told God didn't create you. you. You came out of a swamp sometime. You're just goo that evolved over millions, maybe billions of years. What's wrong with that? A lot of things. There's no love in that. There's no purpose in that. There's no power in that. There's no destiny in that. There's no identity in that. There's no strength in that. There's no healing in that. Isn't that a clever strategy? This is exactly the kind of war we're talking about. Here's an idea. Let me introduce it. God didn't create you. That's a big deal. If he didn't, that changes everything. If I came from the swamp, that changes everything. 
that means my life really doesn't matter. What happens to me really doesn't matter because after all, I'm just a, a, a piece of green slime. Right? Why would we accept silly things like that? Listening to the wrong spirits. But when I accept what the, the, the obvious truth that someone designed me, <laughs> this could never happen any other way. And then I enter into a relationship with the one who made me. All of a sudden, I begin, uh, I, I, I gain an identity and a purpose and a strength and a desire to know him. And my whole life changes. Hallelujah. Don't listen to the lie. Hallelujah. So if I'm not created by God, if I came from an animal, well, what's wrong with living like an animal then? There are people who are living like animals because they believe they evolved from them. There is no evidence for that at all. There never will be. There is overwhelming evidence that shows how foolish that is. But they're believing that and they're living that way and they're missing out on the glorious destiny that God has for them. God loves them. He's not mad at them. He loves them. And he wants to see them experience what he came to give them. So look at this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Are you woke? These dark spirits can be persistent. We're talking about our enemy a little bit. Is that all right? We're not giving him glory. He's defeated. But we want to understand his strategy. So he can't steal from us anymore. Okay? Look at this. This is Jesus talking. And this is during his ministry when he was on earth. He said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. What? And the violent take it by force. What's he talking about? War? Conflict? Dark spirits trying to steal God's kingdom? Trying to keep you from experiencing God's kingdom? Look in the NIV translation. He says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. Why would the kingdom of God have to forcefully advance? I thought God could do anything. Not in the earth he can't. That's another lie people have bought. God doesn't teach that in the Bible. He gave authority over the earth to mankind. Mankind gave it to Satan. Satan became the ruler of this world. Jesus said God's kingdom is forcefully advancing in the earth. If God's will was done in the earth, it wouldn't have to forcefully advance. It'd just be. No one can oppose him, right? I do need to say it. God didn't cause or allow the bad things that happen in your life. God did not cause nor allow the bad things that happen in your life. He loves you. He's a good father. He'd never do that to you. He's not in control of this world. 
Yes, he's sovereign, but his sovereignty has been wrongly defined by many theologians. Okay? He's not in control of this earth. He hasn't been causing or allowing those things. He's not in control. There will come a time when he is, when he's going to take everything back again. But we're not in that time right now. Satan is the ruler of this world right now. My enemy is the ruler of this world. That'd be good to know, wouldn't it? I'm in enemy territory. That'd be good to know, wouldn't it? When we were flying in the military, they would give us a a briefing before we left telling us what the territory was like we were going to be landing in. Was it hostile? Was it friendly? That's good to know that. It's good to know you're living in hostile territory. And many people are basing what they believe about God because of what they've been through. On what they've been through. They're expecting everything just to go a certain way. And if it doesn't, they're getting upset with God. But God didn't do that. You're in hostile territory. We're forcefully advancing. And forceful men lay hold of it. You have to be committed to this. You have to be on this. You have to be all in. There's no 75% in this game, in this war. Look at the Weiss translation. The kingdom of heaven is being taken by storm. And the strong and forceful ones claim it for themselves eagerly. Are you kidding me? This is a war, isn't it? Right? The the Bible in basic English. The kingdom of heaven is forcing its way in. God wants to invade the earth. But he needs people who believe. He'll take him at his word. He'll walk in the spirit. The kingdom of heaven is forcing its way in and men of force take it. You have to take what God has provided for you. Not from him, he's given it freely. But because your enemy's trying to steal it from you. He's trying to talk you out of the life God has for you. He's trying to talk you out of your identity, of your health, of your provision, of your purpose, of your destiny. You've got to take it. That means you've got to grab it with your faith. And never let go of it. Refuse to surrender it. This belongs to me because Christ purchased it for me. And no one's going to take it from me. So that's what your enemy's up to. Well, what's God our Father up to? What does he want for your life? Now go back to John 10.10. Let's put the whole thing up there. So the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. What about Jesus? Why did he come into hostile territory? So that you personally might have life, which means life is not automatic. Nothing automatic about it. Your heart can be beating, but that doesn't mean you're experiencing the life God has for you. He's talking about life abundantly. Let's put it in the Amplified. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have and enjoy life. If Christ did not come, it would not be possible. Because we're in hostile territory. He's a shelter to us 
in this hostile territory. He's a shield and a safe place for us. When you're in Christ, you're in a safe place. Our lives have been hidden with Christ in God. He guards and protects us in this hostile territory. Have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. This is what God's will is for you. Life that's overflowing, abundant, rich, and satisfying. That's his will for you. Anything that tries to change that is not from him. Now listen, people don't understand all the things I'm saying to you, but people can be operating under spirits of darkness or influenced by spirits of darkness. And they don't know it. They're just going with what's the common idea of the day or what they've heard in their circles and, and, and they might get mad at you because of, of your stance, because of what you believe. You stay with Jesus. Stay with him. Hold on. Grab a hold of him and never let go. They just don't know what they're talking about. See, message translation says it this way. Jesus came so that you can have real and eternal life. More and better life than you've ever dreamed of. What's God's will for your life? More and better life than you've ever dreamed of. Come on, this is Jesus talking. What's God's will for your life? More and better life than you've ever dreamed of. You start talking, you start talking like this, and Christians will get mad at you. They're supposed to know and believe this stuff. But they've been conditioned by their religious circles. And they're like, who do you think you are? More and better life than you've ever dreamed of. That's a fantasy. No, that's the word of God. Jesus came for this very purpose. Who am I to put down his purpose? You see, I discover reality when I embrace his purpose, not resist it. The living Bible says this, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. <laughs> see, if God's will automatically happened, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. He wouldn't have had to gone through all this. The New Living Translation says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Are you receiving this? This is for you. A rich and satisfying life. You watch, you walk up to 10 Christians, tell them God's purpose for me is to live a rich and satisfying life, more and better life than I've ever dreamed of. You watch the reaction, right? They'll pull out the garlic. And get out the cross, right? But this is what he came for. We're talking about Christ, the one we sing to. This is why he came. Why would we reject this? That's what our enemy's trying to get us to. See, Satan, these dark spirits work through religion. You know that, right? They talk to preachers and ministers and bishops and, and leaders. And they're trying to get them to change their doctrine, to get away from what Jesus came to do to become more spiritual. How can you become more spiritual than Jesus? Nothing's more spiritual than the purpose of Christ. We don't become more spiritual by altering it, but by embracing it. <laughs> I like when people will tell me, well, I've, I have a you know, degree in theology. And that what they don't understand is theology is not a study of God as it should be. It's a study of man's ideas 
about God. That's not going to help you. The Weiss translation says this, I alone came in order that they might be possessing life and that they might be possessing it in super abundance. <laughs> He's too much. He's too much. We're just going to let him be too much in our lives, right? We're going to let him be too much. So did you know that every human being right now is living by faith? You can't be a human being and not live by faith. But what your faith in or who your faith in is a different story. We're made to, to hear things and decide on whether or not we're going to accept them and believe them. And whatever those things are, true or untrue, we believe them and then we begin living by them. That's how we're made. So when the Bible says the righteous shall live by faith, it's talking about faith in Christ, right? Faith in Christ. We're living by faith in Christ. How much Jesus do you eat every day? How much Jesus have you eaten? Look at John 14, 6. How are we doing? Good? We woke? How much fresh, hot Jesus do you chew on every day? This is what he said. I love the way he talks. This is the same Jesus that said John 10.10. 10. It's not a different Jesus. He's, this is just as true as John 10.10 10 is true. He said, I'm the way, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This solves every problem, doesn't it? I don't have to search anymore to find the answer to the issues I'm facing. Jesus is it. He's my answer. He's my solution. What I do need to do is John 15, 7 and 8. John 15. So he's the way. I'm not going to look anywhere else. I'm not going to go to anyone else. Listen, what would happen if when a challenge came your way, you didn't call anyone you didn't go online. You found a, a place where you could be alone and you talked to Jesus. Try it. Try it. No phone, no devices, no other people, just you and Jesus. Get alone with him and say, what now, Jesus? Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Show me what to do. And have your Bible with you because he's going to speak to you through the word. He will. Have your Bible with you when you're praying with him. Get ready to open that thing. Let him speak to you. So this is what he's talking about in verse 7 of John 15. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this... You asking what you desire and it being done, by this, my father is really happy. He's glorified. It thrills him. When you ask for what you desire and you receive it, God is thrilled. Isn't that the opposite of the way we're made to feel? We're kind of really don't think we can really ask God for certain things. You know, maybe, I guess a peanut butter sandwich is okay, but a new car, 
right? Or healing or big things or... No, it pleases God. It gives him glory when you're living a life better than you've dreamed of. It gives him glory when you're living a super abundant, overflowing, joyful, happy, strong, rich life. He loves that. That's what he wants. That's who he is. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. One translation says, and so prove to be my disciples. Put the weast up there. I like how the weast translation says it. If you maintain, this is staying woke right here. If you maintain a living communion with me. That's being awake everywhere we go. That's realizing we're in hostile territory, but I'm in Christ. I'm not afraid. I'm just, I'm just locked in with him. I'm listening to him. I'm fellowshipping with him. I'm worshiping him. I'm going to places that help me grow in him. I'm choosing to listen to things that help me grow in him. That's what this is right here. That's a living communion. I can't expect to have living communion with him and be spending a lot of time with people who don't know him. It's not gonna happen. That doesn't mean we, we don't spend time with people who don't know him, but we have to be very purposeful in who we're spending time with. We've gotta choose to put ourselves in the presence of people who know him. We have to purposely do that. It's not gonna automatically happen. You have to purposefully choose who you're going to be closest to. And I love all people. And, you know, and even my biological family members and relatives, I love them, but I'm, I, I can't be close to them because of their attitudes and what they believe. Just a lot of ungodly baloney. So I love them, but there's, a, there's only so far I can go with them. Why? Because they've chosen to believe things that are ungodly. And I can't join my heart to that because I love Jesus more. I love Jesus more than mom or dad, brother, sister, right? Even our spouses, we love Jesus more than our spouse, even more than our kids. That's being woke, where Jesus is the one you love most. And you stay right there, this living communion with me, and my words are at home in you. See, God's words should not be foreign and strange to your heart. They should be the air that you breathe. How's that going to happen if you don't listen to it? Man, I I had my, I don't know how many podcasts I listened to yesterday. I was running around doing things. I thought, I'm just going to crank these things. Let me see. How many? uh, There's one, two, I don't know, maybe three. Different ones, just I didn't get all through all of them. I, I listened to some um, that changed my, my whole relationship with God. Two of them were from Andrew Womack's ministry, Karis Podcast. Uh, where was the other one? It was from Jen Tringale. You can, you can have this, this stuff with you everywhere you go. That's the only reason I really want one of these. This is not your life. This is just a thing. Get away from your phone. Listen, if this rings, you don't have to answer it. Who told you you have to answer this thing? Really? It buzzes, so what? This is not your God. 
Let it buzz. Just let it buzz, man. Here's a challenge for you. Put this uh, on a, your nightstand and, and just go downstairs and go about your day. Oh, yeah, I can't do that. You can. You, you might discover some things. Like God wants to talk to you. Like God has answers for you, and it's not here. This is just a thing that man made. I'm thankful for him. I use him regularly. I've got a good one. But man, I don't, I don't respond to it when it calls me. So I don't know if I'll pick it up if you call me. I'll get to it when I get to it. I'm led by the Spirit of God, not by a phone. Not by uh, Snapchat. Not by who's trying to contact me through an app. That's not what I'm led by. Boy, it's so good to be free. You can become bound by this thing where you, your thumbs never stop, right? You've got these thumbs that are like 10 times the normal size because you've been, right? You can become bound by something that's not gonna set you free. Let the Holy Spirit lead you during the day. Come on. I know social media is fun and it's, it's nice to stay in touch and there's endless things you can do with it, but the Holy Spirit wants to lead you through your day. It can wait. It can wait. I mean, people become so desperate, they'll post on their Facebook uh, this two or three paragraphs. Now, I'll know who my friends are if you respond to this and hit like. And, I mean, it takes how long to read the thing? So you're going to think I'm not your friend because I don't respond to this thing? I mean, has, has your light, has your heart gotten that shallow that you're determining who your friends are based on an app on a phone? Come on, has the devil fooled you that much that you got to send out these goofy messages and try and get likes to determine your value? I know who loves me. No phone can tell me that. No like can tell me that. No emoji can tell me that. I know who loves me. Do you know who loves you? Listen, there are people in your life, you're gonna know they love you. They don't have to be your friend on Facebook. They don't have to follow you on Insta. You just know they love you. I don't ever have to Snapchat them. I don't have to message them. I know they love me and I love them and they're, they're the closest people in my life. And no app can interfere with that. Those are the kind of friends you need. It's funny the terms we use on social media, friends. I mean, I use Facebook just to connect, to, to get, to, to show people how good God is. So usually someone friends request me, I say, yeah. But that doesn't mean I follow them or I interact with them. I just want them to know how much God loves them and I know the posts that they'll see, at least they'll see someone who realizes how much God loves them. So maybe my, my feed will, will, will encourage them in some way. For probably for a period of maybe three years, I was posting once at 6 a.m. every morning a scripture or an idea about God's love or what God's done for people. That's how I used it. But man, don't, don't let this thing dictate your day. Turn your ringer off. Turn your ringer off. Come on, living communion. I was talking about podcasts. That's what I love about this thing. Listen, you can, you know, well, our iTunes show's not fixed yet, but 
you can uh, go to our website, highwaychurch.us, and listen to all our messages right on our podcast page. You can do that. You can go to Andrew Womack's ministry, Joseph Prince ministry, Jen Tringale's ministry, and just listen, and you'll be so glad you did. <laughs> you'll be transformed. I like getting stronger, not more confused. I like getting happier, not sadder. I like having joy, not depression. I like peace, not anxiety. Get some peace. Get more peace. Get more peace. How? Listen. Listen to the words of Jesus. Find these. I mentioned these ministries to you so you can connect. I don't get anything out of it other than knowing that you're eating good stuff. Man, what was that one I was listening to? I'll tell you. I was listening to it again uh, last night till almost midnight. I just couldn't stop. I said, this is so good. It's just so good. Uh, it was a Karis podcast. It's number uh, 66, Daniel and Carly. So it's got this little, the Karis symbol, this red square. This is Andrew Womack Ministry. And it's number 66, Daniel and Carly. And they talk about their, it's just, life-changing. So go listen to that today. Man, come on, invest in your life. Yes. Enjoy that living communion. It's number, number 66, Daniel and Carly from Karis Audio Podcast. Forget about it. You'll be changed. Hallelujah. So here's what Jesus says. So when you're in this living communion, look what God wants to do. This is what your father, the one who made you, wants for you. He wants this living communion. He wants his words to be at home in you. And then look what he says. I command you to ask at once something for yourself. That's God's will for you. He commands us to ask something that we want, something that we desire, something for ourselves. Whatever your heart desires. Boy, we get kicked out of some places for this. Jesus commands us to ask at once something for ourselves, whatever our heart desires, and it will become yours. Wow, I need a God like this. I need someone who's not insecure like this. Someone that trusts me. We talk about trusting God. Do you know he trusts you? He's willing to trust you? He invests in you? You don't invest in something you don't trust. Wow, I don't think I've ever said that before. He trusts you. Wow, that changes things. God believes in you. Yes. He knows you can do it. He knows what he's deposited inside of you. He knows you can win. Ask something for yourself. Whatever your heart desires, let him reveal himself to you. And in this, verse 8 says, my father is glorified. <laughs> How is he glorified? When you maintain a living communion with him, when his words are at home in you, 
And out of your relationship with him, you ask and declare things for yourself, things that your heart desires. And you see those things manifest in your life. God is glorified by this. Namely, that you're bearing much fruit. He wants this to happen much. This is, he wants this to be a regular thing in your life. Fruit just pouring out of you. Results, victory, joy, strength, love. So that you shall become my disciples. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Religion always puts God and the answers you need out of reach. Every time. Religion will tease you and give you the promise of an answer, but it never comes because you always got to do another thing to try and obtain that thing. Jesus, on the other hand, says God is here, right here. God is right here, right now. And he's fully available to anyone who believes. In fact, Jesus said this, that your answers aren't out of your reach, they're within you. Put that up there, then we're going to be done here real soon. Your answers, the answers you need are within you. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Put that up here. This is Jesus talking, same Jesus in John 10, 10, John 14, John 15. This is the beginning of his ministry, and he said this, the time is fulfilled. This is after he came out of the temptation in the wilderness. The time is fulfilled, I did it. What I do it for? You. And the kingdom of God is where? At hand. At hand. It is, okay, holy, come on, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Can I, can I share this with you? Yes. Holy Spirit, thank you. The kingdom of God is at hand. That means you can touch it anywhere you go. Why is this important? Let me see if I can get this out. You will find in man's religion that God is never at hand. You've always got to go somewhere and do something special. You've got to have the right atmosphere. The moon's got to be in the right place in the sky. You've got to be in the right location. You've got to have the right amount of candles lit. You've got to have incense burning. Everything's got to be just right, and then maybe God will show up. There's nothing God about that. Jesus never taught that. He said God is so close to you, you can touch him if you'll just believe. But he's not done yet. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. What does repent mean? Think differently. That's what the word literally means. Change your mind and change your purpose. Study the word in the Greek. So he says, stop, stop thinking that God's out of reach. Stop thinking you've got to do another 10 things for your prayers to be answered. God's right here, right now. Change your mind, change your purpose, and believe the good news that I just told you. Believe the good news that I just told you. Hallelujah. Oh, this is the verse I wanted to get to. Luke 17. Luke 17 illustrates this very thing. 
Verse, let's go right to verse 21. This is Jesus talking. He says, neither shall they say lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is where? Within you. How close is God to you? He's as close as your heart and your mouth. Isn't that what Romans chapter 10 says? Let's read it. Romans chapter 10, verse 6. It starts off by describing man's feelings of inadequacy. Man's feelings that he's got to do another thing to somehow get to God. That's what all religions are, are, are about. Right? You've got to do another thing to get closer to God. And that will wear you out. It's a dead-end street. Anything we needed to do to get closer to God, Jesus already did. So we get close to God by accepting the sacrifice of Christ. Verse 6 of Romans chapter 10. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Don't say in your heart, who's going to ascend into heaven? That's to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That's to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is where? Near you. Where is it? It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. This is the word of faith that I'm preaching. That if you... Not your friends. You confess with your mouth. You have to choose to do this. No one can do this for you. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What does that word mean? Saved. Made whole. Sozo in the Greek. You, you can say it this way. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be healed. You will be delivered. You will be set at one again. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And look at verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be put to Shame. And this is how we're going to close it. We're just going to praise him for a little while. All right? This is one of my favorite things to do. I like to take scriptures right from the word and turn them into my personal praise. Some of them are already worded that way. Some of them you've got you've to um, put them in your own words. Give you an example, Psalm 27.1. Let's do this. This one's already set, Right? Let's, let's worship the Lord with this. We're going to, with our mouths, we're going to confess this. I'm not talking about uh, religious confession. I'm talking about declaring it, all right? And with our hearts, we're going to believe this. No matter what's going on in our lives. Are you ready? Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Isn't that good? Let's do it again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Do it again. The Lord is my light. This is praise and my salvation. Hallelujah! The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
Hallelujah. God, you're our light. You're our salvation. We have nothing to be afraid of. See, then I'll take that scripture and I'll worship him with it. Because he, he just gave us a truth here, didn't he? Now take that truth and just put in your own words and worship. God, you're my light. You're my Lord. You're my salvation. I don't have anything to be afraid of. No one can make me afraid anymore. You're the strength of my life. You're the strength of my bones and my muscles. You're the strength of my knees and my feet and my shoulders and my neck. Whom shall I be afraid of? This is how you worship him. One way. Okay. Look at Psalm 103, verse 1. Here it is. Remember I said you have to talk to yourself? This is exactly what the Bible teaches you to do. Tell yourself how blessed you are. Look, bless the Lord. You're talking to you. Now talk to yourself when you say this. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Let's do it. Hallelujah. Jesus, we bless your holy name. We bless you and give you glory. We honor you and worship you. We magnify you. You and you alone are God. We bless your holy name. Yeah, isn't that good? Verse two, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Listen, if you're feeling depressed, discouraged, frightened, start doing this. Stand up and start doing this. Open your mouth. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Do you know it's amazing the benefit package God has? He accepts all pre-existing conditions and fixes them, heals them. And he's paid the premium and he's taken care of the deductible and there's never a copay. There's not one copay in following him. Hallelujah. Verse three, he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Now you gotta put some New Testament on this. This is before Christ. Now it's, he's forgiven all my iniquities. He's healed all my diseases. So put it in the right tense with the right covenant, right? With the now covenant. Who, who's forgiven all my iniquities, who's healed all my diseases. He's redeemed, verse four, he's already done it, my life from destruction. But there's destruction all around us. Don't you watch the news? No, but God's redeemed my life from destruction. He's my light and my salvation. What do I have to be afraid of? I'm living in him. I'm in living communion with the one who made me. I have no fear anymore. His perfect love has cast it out. See how worship changes you. He's redeemed my life from destruction. He's crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies my mouth with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Lord, we acknowledge your presence here. Come on up here, Jennifer. We thank you, Lord. Every week we gather, we are growing in every way. We're experiencing you more. What you deposit in us during these times is changing our lives. We will never be the same because of what you've done. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life 
He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.